Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. Can I just say, well done. It's sunny outside and you're all here for Jesus. Yay! I had a feeling it might just be me and Ron this morning and the band. <laughs> but it wasn't. So giving is good. That's what we're talking about today. And I love talking about money. I'm British. So, if you have a Bible with you, get it out. If you don't and you want one, wave your hands and the hosting team will bring you a Bible. Even if it, there's large print as well. They were for me. So, we're going to just, I'm doing a, t it's like a tiny bit, but there are other Bible verses to come. So, don't think, well, that's really small. I don't need my Bible because you do. So, in Acts 20, 35, part of it says... You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So, oh, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? We're proper talking about money in our series, aren't we? Not giving of your time, but parting with your cold, hard cash. And I've always found that really hard. Does anybody else find it hard? Yes? Oh, good. Not that good that you find it hard, but good that I'm not on my own. <laughs> I have a real fear of not having any money, and I'm not entirely sure where it comes from. I was thinking about it when I was writing this, and I think I have no idea where it comes from. I suspect my dad, if he listens to this talk online afterwards, sorry, Dad, but it could be him, but it's my Achilles heel. I keep coming up against it, and I think it's a control thing. So I'm like this. This is me. Lord... I trust you with my whole life, but I'm just going to keep a tiny little bit back, if you don't mind, because when I say I trust you, of course I do, but money, well, that's a bit different, isn't it? Sorry? Oh, you do mean money. I have to trust you with money as well? Really? Okay. Awkward silence between me and God. He means money too. And you see, Jesus' words really help us to understand the reason we're meant to give. It's because it blesses us. And I absolutely believe the words when I was praying about this talk were, to me, giving is the key that unlocks our heart. It gives us freedom to love with abandon. And we see giving as hard, don't we? Well, I do. And maybe even fear it. The media, that wonderful place, the media, tells us that all churches want is actually our money. I don't know how they know that, because they've never actually set foot in one, but apparently all churches want is your money. And in one way, they're right. Churches do need your money. They need it to further the mission of Jesus Christ in their communities. No one else is going to give money to the church. No one else has actually been given that commission to further the work of Jesus Christ. That's ours. That's us that have been asked to do it. But the hard fact is that the Church of England pays for your vicar, our lovely Ron. But, yeah, thanks, whoever said yay. Someone was pleased. That's nice, isn't it, babe? The Church of England pays for your lovely vicar, Ron. That's a bit better. But... For us to have dedicated and talented ministry leaders helping us help our kids and youth to know more about Jesus. 
steering our community food bank, the recovery, steering worship, administration in our church, fundraising, all the operational stuff that needs doing, and all the other stuff that happens, we need cash to pay them because they need to eat. Maybe for you, it's that your partner doesn't believe. And that's really hard because we share stuff, don't we? If we're in a marriage, we share stuff. So how do we navigate that scenario? And I think that's something that deserves a whole extra session. So we're going to do an extra session. One evening, we're going to come together, and we're going to have a session on giving if your partner doesn't know Jesus. And also, if that's you, maybe you and your partner don't agree. So you might be both believe in Jesus, but you don't agree on how to give. So if that's you, come along then too. So let me know who you are, and we're going to do an evening, especially on that. But what I will say is that unlike other witnessing we do, it has the potential to unlock their heart and ours at the same time. The same way your partner may have a hobby that they feel really passionately about, you have a Lord and Savior that you feel passionately about. So just think about that. Maybe you are a person who doesn't have very much money, so don't think you have very much to offer. God knows your circumstances, and 10% of nothing is nothing. It's about being prepared to give first of the little or a lot that you have. I collected for a food bank when we were in Bristol, outside Asda, and was reduced to tears, not by the well-dressed, lovely bloke who threw a couple of bags into the trolley, but by the very poorly-dressed elderly man who came up and with a little thin, shaky hand gave me one of the tins of the two soups that he had in his hand, and he gave me one. And he said, I'm so sorry, I can't give more. And it was the most beautiful giving I've ever seen. I just hugged him and thanked him for lavishly giving. He gave half of what he had. And I've told you all many times that the very first sentence I read in the Bible was Matthew 6, 24. I did that thing, you know, let's see what God has to say to me. Wish I hadn't done that, because what he said is, You can't worship money and God. You have to make a choice. Oh, goody. I was thrilled then as I am now, reading that sentence out. And it was so hard for me. I earned a lot of money then. And I didn't realize what a hold it had on my life. I just thought it was normal to strive to earn more and more. I thought it was normal to shop in Waitrose. You'll know why I said it that way in a minute. And I found this video the other day, which I love, and I just thought, that's going in. (laughs) This is me, right? We're going to show you a video now, and this essentially was me. That is so good, isn't it? That's my favorite line at the end. Someone hiding for that pound. Get all sweet shopping on that, you idiots. (laughs) Love it. But it's funny, isn't it? We're all laughing, and the reason it's funny is because it's true. Not the bit about the Waitrose people, but a bit about our measurement of value as a society being on how much money we have. Think about it. We're measured when we meet people by our job title and how much we earn, aren't we? Admit it. When you meet somebody, you go, hello, my name's, what do you do? Now, that's code for, I want to know more about you. That's going to tell me. In marketing terms, it helps us understand the person better. I had to fill in a form for Woody's school. I can't remember what it was part of his homework last week or the other week before. 
And at the end, it's got all these questions. How many bedrooms do you have? Do we have a dishwasher? How many cars are there in the family? And I'm going, oh, yeah. I said, Woody, they're trying to put you in a bracket, mate. Let's answer it all wrong and mess it up. <laughs> they were trying to put him in a bracket and work out what kind of family he comes from based on money at the heart. So they're basing out where he is by how much money we have. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about all the things in life he tried and found but was disappointed about. The intellectual pursuit of knowledge, the physical pursuit of pleasure, and the material pursuit of wealth. In the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, he bottom lines it by saying, everything is meaningless. And I, this was what was in my reading this week. John Mason, an author, wrote, is more money a higher position or more influence your goal? These are not goals. They are the byproduct of true goals. Seek not success, but truth, and you will find both. Work to become, not to acquire. Measure wealth by the things you have which you would not exchange for money. When you wake each morning, pray this simple prayer. Lord, above all else, help me to spend this day loving you and carrying out your will in Jesus' name. Wow. Amen to that, John Mason. But for me, it wasn't money that had a hold on me. It was a fear of the lack of it. And what God started teaching me is that any fear of anything that controls us is not of God. And I think that's why the Bible verse in Matthew is so clear. We have to make a choice between the worship of money or the worship of God. Between the love of money or the love of God. And I'm not saying you can't have any money. All money's evil. And I'm not banning you from waitrose. It doesn't mean you have to give all your money and possessions away and live in a bin either. I'm not saying that. It goes way, way deeper than that. It's about where your heart is. So where is your heart? Truthfully, today, where is your heart? Because where your treasure is, your heart lies also. Again, in Matthew 6. And I've said to you before, if you want to know where your heart is, then look at your diary and your bank statement, and that will show you where your heart is. Now, I'm going to move into a bit of a random verse, Luke 8, 1 to 3. For those of you that have still got your Bibles out, I can see loads. When I was preparing for this lovely talk, I came across this Bible verse, and it really struck me. And it says, Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chaza, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. I think this is like proper significant. The women were healed by Jesus, and then they financially supported his ministry. Wow. They personally responded to the gospel by submitting themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus. So part of that total submission was to give. So I want to ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus yet? Have you personally responded to the gospel? Do you submit all in? to Jesus. 
Now, those women were, some people say, the first female disciples. I'm so not getting into that today, but apparently that's what they were. And they were supporting his ministry financially. Now, just pause for a minute and think, how cool is that? In a time where that just didn't happen. It was so countercultural that women could be supporting men, and not just men, Jesus himself and his ministry. How brave. But why is this passage significant? Because it's not the giving, it's the why of the giving that is the main point, I think. Because their lives had been radically transformed, literally, in the love and power of Jesus. And it unlocked their hearts to give and to serve. So has your life been radically transformed by Jesus yet? Have you allowed him to do that yet? Does your heart need unlocking? Look at Mary Magdalene, just in the chapter before, with her alabaster jar. She poured all that expensive oil on Jesus, which is discussed by theologians as being potentially a year's wages, that she just poured it on Jesus with no thought to the financial cost because she was forgiven and she understood what radical love looked like. She had a personal experience with Jesus and the action of giving, and in her case anointing, naturally followed that experience. There's an American pastor called Steve Cohen. He's, his commentary on Luke 8, 1 to 3 says, the gospel always makes a demonstrable difference in the life of the person who's responded to it. The disciples left their nets and followed Jesus. Matthew left his lucrative tax collection business and followed Jesus. These women were delivered and healed from the afflictions that had dominated their lives. Now they too followed that ragtag band. Imagine the gossip that must have surrounded Joanna back in Herod's court. It'd be like one of the Kennedy heirs. Now, I've put in brackets there. This is not him. Think modern-day Kardashian or a made-in-Chelsea socialite. That's what we're talking about. Leaving their mansions and social circles to join an itinerant bunch of evangelists in Mexico. But you see, Joanna's entire value system was transformed Formerly, she'd lived to enjoy the good life of the wealthy and the famous. Now, she lived to serve her Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. So the prerequisite for serving and giving is to come to know him personally. So do you know him personally? If you don't, then please come to the front when we move into response in a minute. And we can pray for you during our response time to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And for those of you that do know him personally, do you look and behave differently because of that relationship? Like Andrew came and spoke, and he did our, some of our evangelism training, said, do you give off the aroma of Christ? Are you different? And do you know that giving is good? Giving is good. Giving blesses us. Giving frees us from fear. Giving brings us closer into relationship with Jesus. And giving is sacrificial. But you know what? Doesn't even come close to the sacrifice he made for us, does it? So yeah, giving is sacrificial. But you're not being asked to die on a cross for us, are you? So if you're struggling 
to give. I want to ask you today, do you give? Giving is good. Do you give? Do you? Someone said to me the other, God loves a cheerful giver. Do you cheerfully give? Or like me, do you just start with the giving and you're working on the cheerful bit? That's okay too. So if you're struggling with this whole giving thing, like I did, still do, then please do come to the front again during the response time. That's what it's for. It's for us to respond to the word we're hearing, no matter how uncomfortable and troublesome that response might feel. And let us pray with you. I can still remember the day that the penny dropped for me. That's a, I didn't mean that pun, but it literally dropped for me. And I genuinely handed our finances over to God. We lived here when that happened. Just so you put it into context, we lived here. I was made redundant twice on our journey into faith. And we had many times of financial stress, which was awful. And when we moved here, I was sat at the kitchen table and we had no money left and had used up all our savings. And I cried out to God and asked, what will we do now? How embarrassing it would be if we had to go to our own food bank. And I finally handed over our finances to him, genuinely, wholeheartedly, with no control or strings attached, trusting for the first time. And I'm not telling you I haven't picked that straight back up again at other times and tried to take it back. I think it's an ongoing process to lay down your finances to God. You lay them down with your whole heart, but you will try and pick them up again. That's okay, just put it down again. And the next day, Someone from this church put a £100 gift voucher through our door for Tesco's. Nobody knew. We realized we'd claimed our expenses wrong, so the church put some money into our account. And then a check from the archdeacon turned up for £500 saying, God prompted me that you needed a rest. How amazing is that? I didn't ask for any of that stuff. Exactly. Praise God. It was him. Yes. And you're like, wow, in our submission, it allowed God to move. You see, if we control everything about every part of our life, we miss out on that. We miss out on him going, don't worry, I've got you. If we always control our finances and keep them close to our chest and have 500 grand in the bank in case something happens, in case of what? In case God is the, yeah, no, 500, that was a bit, I was a woman of extremes. Who's ever got five, if you've got 500 grand in the account, please come and see me afterwards. <laughs> We're doing a big build. Have you heard? But you know what I mean? What he was taught me is that he is the biggest bank in the world. He loves us more than money will ever love us back. And he taught me a valuable lesson that my heart was still attached to money and not fully his. The journey is still ongoing, I have to say. So my message today, we're going to go into time of response now. My message today is unlock your heart and become the person you are called to be, a whole life disciple of Jesus Christ, our Savior, living in total freedom to love with abandon. And that whole life includes, awkwardly, your wallet or your purse. So if you're troubled by this, any part of this, we will be here waiting to pray for you, okay?
don't sit there and struggle or worry or in silence. Come and get prayer to be free, to be freed from the shackles that worldly money has on you, to be free to just worship God and serve God with your whole heart, just like he created you to be. Yes? Amen. For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.